Annabelle. Pervert! Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pig. programs and welcome to another episode of fan halls big in japan i'm justin and i'll be your host this evening joining me tonight are two of my fellow survivors of the apocalypse why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves hey what's up this is derek derek wc you are already dead hey it's mike and i'm already alive Tonight we will be discussing the film compilation alternate telling, if you will, of Fist of the North Star. Uh, This film was released March 8th, 1986 in Japan. And like I said, this is kind of a somewhat condensed version of like the first arc with Shin or perhaps an alternate telling, if you will, because some elements such as plot points and character introductions are rearranged. The short and sweet synopsis, which I stole from IMDb, describes the movie thusly. A practitioner of the deadly martial art, Hokuto Shinkin, allies with two children and an expert in Nanto Shoshikin to fight against the rivals who kidnapped his lover and threatened the prosperity of mankind. So I'm going to ask my usual uh, question that I ask you guys, like, do you remember the first time you saw this film or maybe your first encounter with Fist of the North Star? Well, my background with Fist of the North Star is kind of complicated, so this is going to be a long-winded 
uh, answer and explanation. But I, I'd say when I really started watching anime in general, gung ho, it was it was probably like the summer of 1999 because we were all watching DBZ and stuff like that. And I've told you guys the story about the rental store down in Marina del Rey called Odyssey Video. And that was back when everything still had VHS tapes and shit. And they were, they were, you know, basically like by 2000, they were slowly starting to get like DVD rentals and stuff like that. But that store we would go to all the time to rent anime. And my buddy at the time was like, oh, you got to watch this. Like this Fist of the North Star is one of the, you know, it's one of the more famous ones. Like we need to sit down and watch this. And initially, like, kind of like devil man like like i was kind of horribly turned off by it at first like i thought it was super violent and super gory and it is and and at first i was kind of like i don't know that i'm i don't know that i get this like that i feel it like i think at the time maybe i thought it was like too obscene like i guess or or just i i couldn't wrap my head around it i guess at the time so i sort of put that to the side and left it alone and then I think probably a couple years later, like probably, you know, I don't know, 2002, 2003, I'm guessing is right around where it would have fallen into, Showtime started showing the, the manga entertainment dub of Fist of the North Star. And so I sort of gave it a second go around. And I sort of kind of understood it after a while. I mean, Kinshiro is kind of you know, the Superman of his universe, and I kind of got past, like, most of the violence, because I think, I, I think I got to the point where I was seeing most of it, you know, the TV version, a lot of it is less bloody, it's like, you know, when people's heads explode, it's like, you know, a bunch of white kind of shining explosion or whatever, so it's not quite as brutal as I was kind of, you know, making it out to be, I guess, in certain sense, or who knows, maybe I'm just a horrible person and I'm desensitized to the violence or whatever, you know, but like, eventually I think I became more accustomed to it, and I was watching it on a pretty frequent basis, like, they would show, like, I think, like, two episodes, maybe, like, back-to-back or something like that, and they were all the, the manga entertainment dubbed episodes, and I think that's about... Because I, I think, like, they had a bunch of them on VHS tapes, which is what we had watched when we rented them originally. But I think the VHS tapes stopped at a certain point, but they had dubbed, I think, a total of 36 episodes. And, like, just, I guess, for Mike's benefit, because this is probably something he doesn't know, but, like, Shin in the manga entertainment dub is Steve Bloom. So, like, there there were certain, like, L.A.-based actors. Like, I technically, just because that was the version I probably watched first, like, that dub is the one I'm most familiar with. And I know the film we're talking about tonight, the 1986 film, is with a different, you know, dub cast and everything. So that's, you know, Shin is not Steve Bloom in that. And it's basically the Streamline Pictures dub. Wouldn't be, like, the same kind of studio that did the, you know, Kaneda Tetsuo, you know, dub of, of Akira and everything. And so I guess the long-winded explanation is by the time I was watching that on Showtime, that kind of ignited some interest and passion in it. I watched all 36 dubbed episodes. And then I started seeking out more things. For example, like the the Master Edition, you know, Gutsoon color, you know, painted Fist of the North Star manga. Like, I was buying that and reading it and everything. And then I'd say probably, like, 
I want to say like around maybe 2007 was probably when I first saw this film. Because it's like you, you kind of go through and watch like a lot of this stuff. But at a certain point, like the translation cuts off or, you know, around that point, there were a lot more fan subgroups that were fan subbing like the episodes I hadn't seen. So I started watching more episodes. But I think I just kind of wanted to cut to the chase. And that's kind of why I think of this movie is like the Cliff Notes version of Fist of the North Star. It's like it's like if you want to like cheat on the test, you know, if like your AP English class is doing, you know, a course on the Fist of the North Star or whatever. So like you 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 just kind of want to, you know, basically get the main beats of the story. Although the way they they change the film is kind of interesting and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But I mean, basically to answer your question, I probably first saw this 1986 you know, Cliff Notes slash compilation movie, probably in 2007, like somewhere around there. And and it was because I was basically, at this point, I was a little more balls deep, as we say, in, in Fist of the North Star. Like, I think at that point, I was also watching, like, fan subs of Fist of the Blue Sky and things like that. So, like, all the kind of spin-off material. And, you know, I was playing some of the video games. They had some fighting games and, and things like that with the the franchise. So, at, you know, at that point I was pretty deep into it. And I, I think that was something where I just said, Hey, I, I kind of like th- there were other newer films too, where they dealt with more of the story where you could sort of watch a few to me, it was like, I could watch a few movies and get the gist of what happened. And as opposed to, you know, watching like whatever it is, like the 150 something episodes of the series, which to be perfectly honest, like I've never seen all 159 or whatever it is episodes of Fist of the North Star. Like I've probably seen like half of it. And then I kind of went, okay, I'm going to watch these movies now. So like, I, you know, I, I, I'd still need to work on watching the rest of the series, but I've seen a pretty fair amount of it. So I, I have a pretty rich history with the, the property and everything. This film in particular, I think this, this probably is like maybe the, the third time I've watched it maybe you know, for just the purposes of this show, but I've probably seen it once or twice before. What about you, Mike? This is the first time I've seen this movie, and this is probably the first, way back when, kind of similar to Derek, like back in the, like, 90s, like when I I was first getting into AMA, and I was pretty much renting or trying, like, anything. Like, me and my friends would be, like, you know, rent stuff, like, much like Derek said, from, like, a video store, and you know, my my friend had me watch like the first episode of this along with like the original the uh, Gundam like movie dub, and like that originally it didn't leave enough of an impression on me. Like I I, I like I didn't like it. I like honestly I think like I, I have the exact same history as Derek where it probably kind of turned me off. I think like I saw like the first episode maybe, and then you no, know, it kind of and it still kind of does, but. Like the art style, like I maybe I was kind of thinking of like Rob Liefeld or something, Dude, like because everyone secret fucking brothers. Because yeah, I was, yeah, was going to bring that up later, but yeah, it's like everyone is like super, yeah, like muscular and like people are out of proportion sometimes and out of scale and like I don't know, like whatever it was, it it reminded me of something I didn't like really care for. So like I never looked into it after that. Like unlike Gundam, like I never got back into it. But, you know, years and years of watching, like, anime and stuff, like, if you're any kind of anime fan, like, there are certain things that you just know, like, through 
pretty much you know the internet or osmosis like like any any anime fan like worth their salt i think knows like you are already dead and you you know where that comes from even if you don't have like much familiarity with like you know fist of the north star you know that's oh that's the dude with the bushy eyebrows from fist of the north star who does all the pressure point things and then the guy explodes right like and like i i can't tell you where i pick that up like, but I just know it. Like, I knew it already. Like, maybe I picked it up from you guys, but I, like, I feel like I had always known that. So, I, like, I you feel know. like there were, like, lots of cool memes that came out of Fist of the North Star and Kinshiro, too. So, I mean, as much as I'd love to take credit for, like, you know, osmosising you or whatever, like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would, I would say there's, I'm sure there's other, you know, yeah. social media factors that probably leads to that kind of infusion of pop culture you know information absorption like right yeah and like stuff or stuff like you know when he does like the rapid fire punches and he's like like, i know i've seen like you know clips of that in places and stuff yeah i think think one of my favorite one of my favorite memes is like there's there's a shot of like the the i think it's the zeta or the double zeta gundam from double zeta and and it's doing the the kenshiro like rapid punch you know when when (laughs) in it and then they put like the background of the japanese like the what the Oh, you know, in yeah. the back or whatever. So it's like stuff like yeah, that. I've I seen that. Kinda, yeah, I kind of think it's but, funny. But yeah, like I watched this, and like I, I guess I kind of like it gave me like almost deja vu to that. Like the first time when I was probably like ten or eleven and saw the first episode, and I was kind of like, oh, I kind of remember this. Like because I remember like bearded Kenshiro, mm. and like I kind of like I kind of think of it, it triggered something in me where I was kind of like, wait, did he always have a beard? And then like I, I was kind of like, no, I think it was only in like the first episode he has a beard, and that's why I remember it. So like like uh, I was gonna say he looks like a like a dark haired like Chuck Norris or something in the first episode <laughs> or something. He goes he goes but, from Chuck Norris to Bruce Lee as it should be. Yeah, know. but but yeah, like I mean I watched this and it, like it it seemed very familiar to me even though I hadn't seen it before. So like yeah, like I I mean and I'm kind of glad like I have more like background information on it now. So like I, I think. Like watching this again, like I don't know if I necessarily cared for it, but like I, I kind of appreciate that I have like more like knowledge about it now. I think this film is the first was my first encounter with Fists of the North Star period. And I was researching this and trying to back up my claim, but I didn't find anything. I, I could have swore that I watched this on the sci fi channel, like in the early nineties, but hmm. I could never find anything online to back up that sci-fi channel even aired this so maybe i'm maybe i'm conflating things but i know that this movie was my first encounter and unlike unlike maybe mike where he, he was kind of horrified and disgusted or you know kind of like you derek or you're just like ah, oh, this is too much like i was um thrilled and engrossed by all the violence and the gore in it i was like whoa this is awesome I mean, I was probably at the right age. I was probably like like 10 or 11. So, of mm. course, I would find this appealing. But I think this is one of those few things that I still enjoy from that age where I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Like, I I haven't seen this film in several years. So revisiting it, I was like, yeah, this is still cool. I still like this. It wasn't until maybe 2000 or 2001 that I got to see episodes from the TV series. And, and then... Uh, maybe three or four years ago, I sat down and watched the entire series because it's on Crunchyroll. And I kind of had to like do that in sections. Like I would yeah. watch 
you know, this shin arc, I would take a break and just do something else. And then I would do the next arc and take a break and do something else. And I, it took a while. I had to like chip away at it for a while, but I, I eventually watched every episode of the series. Dude, man, you, you are an anime beast, man. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing one piece and just the North star, you're putting me to shame, man. Cause you're, 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 you're banging those things out, man. Like that's to me, that's impressive that you can add that to your checklist where you're like, dude, I have seen, Fist of the North Star, period, because I, I, I felt like maybe I just didn't do it right, you know, because you, you're saying how you like took breathers and then knew to go to another arc or whatever. I think I think I kind of experienced semi burnout because I got really excited about it. But like I was telling you, I mean, I was watching like Fist of the Blue Sky, which is like a prequel series to this, yeah. you know, so I was like I was like trying to juggle like all this stuff. And then it kind of like all <laughs> collapsed under the weight of of me, you know, kind of thing or whatever, where I was like, oh, this is awesome. I got into it. And I was trying to think, you you made me think of something like, like, I think the minute I was totally on board with it, I know we're talking about how, you know, because it's like, I think initially things like Devil Man and Fist of the North Star, I kind of saw the way I see the HBO Spawn animated series, where I was like, oh, you know, tits and blood and gore and, you know, just, it, it's, it's adult, but not mature, you know, like how we always have that discussion. And I kind of, you know, I kind of poo poo it and turn my nose up at it. But I think the thing that got me on board was, and of course, you know, I'm a dubby, so I love that stuff. But watching that manga entertainment dub on Showtime and my favorite villain in the whole piece, I mean, he really doesn't amount to much, but I just, I really love his visual is I love Jaggy. I, I, I don't know what it is. I just think he has a really cool look. I mean, he's essentially, you know, Kinshiro's Venom, but he's his, you know, brother, too, you know, like, along with Rao and um, Toki or whatever, right? But, like, I've always loved his look. And my favorite fucking part of that manga entertainment dub, and I, I don't know if it translates exactly like this, you know, if they took some liberties with it, but my, my favorite part of it is when he comes in and he's like, you better go out there and dig a grave because I'm going to bury you in it. And I was just like, that's so fucking badass. Like, I love that shit. Like, like I know everybody knows you are already dead and, like, that's the traditional badass thing. But I think the thing that really turned me on to Kenshiro was when he's like, dude, straight up, go outside, dig a grave because I'm going to bury your ass in the fucking grave. And I was just like, that's so fucking cool. Like, so, like, that's kind of when I, I got on board with it and really really kind of got into it and everything. I guess I, I'm curious now, because I didn't realize this was like the first thing you had ever seen in terms of the film. And so when you saw it, like you saw it on sci-fi, so it was the streamlined dub, right? Yeah, it had to have been. Okay. Yeah, there, there is no other dubs, but I, I was just like, so you, you hadn't seen it in Japanese. You watched it on some kind of Western US channel or something, at the very least, if it wasn't sci-fi. So like, does that, I don't know, like, to me, like, I had these questions about, like, you know how you kind of were trying to explain to the listening audience, like, oh, they took certain liberties with it, like, the, the time frames of things are a little tweaked, you know, and changed for the purposes of making a, a, a kind of film narrative, so they, they kind of tell things almost in semi-sequential order and stuff like I, I guess specifically because you talked about how mostly it covers the quote-unquote shin arc like for me I was thinking of this film like does the film I don't know because for me I'm like I think that you know, this is like a leading question but I'm just like I think the film somehow takes away some of the mystery behind 
Kenshiro? Because I think when, like, you watch the early episodes, you're like, who is this guy? Like, where does he come from? Like, he's a super badass, but where did he learn this? And what's going on? And it's like, most of the stuff you see in the film from the beginning, and and basically everything that's revealed about Julia and, and Rao and Joggy and all that stuff, like, that's all flashbacks, mostly. Like, you, you, you're you with Kenshiro, he hangs out with Bat and Lin, he beats the shit out of all these Rob Liefeld super big fat guys <laughs> and all this other shit, right? And <laughs> and you're kind of wondering, like, well, okay, great, like, he's super awesome, but what, how did he lose his woman to this, this guy, right? And, and how did this happen? And then you see it in flashback where, you know, in the flashback, he's actually running around in, on the TV show with, like, some green suit. Like, it's not like it is at the beginning of this movie. He's got, like, a green outfit, so it's like young Ken and his little green jumpsuit or whatever, and they go through the whole, you know, it's it's pretty much the same scene. Like, that's how he gets the Big Dipper on his chest, and, you know, Julia leaves him, and, you know, I think when I was watching it, I was of the age where I understood kind of what Shin was saying in some ways, where it's like, oh, you know, I mean, it, it's supposed to be like, oh, look at what a horrible person Shin is, because he, he says, your woman's fickle, because now that I'm killing you to death, the only thing she can do to save you is to get with me but he's treating it as like literally like she's getting with him because he's the stronger guy and there is still the slightest bit of truth to that so so when he says things like that you're kind of like oh i'm sure the you know hashtag me too movement would have a field day with shin or whatever but it's like that that horrible post-apocalyptic whatever you want to call it the the walking dead the mad max the you know that that kind of you know world where people do what they have to to survive and part of that is like you know these solemn vows you take or whatever you know whether it's something like marriage or whatever like a lot of that shit goes out the fucking window in like this kind of post-apocalyptic you know zombie whatever apocalypse type scenario and stuff and so like there there were things like that but i i feel like when you get told that up front i don't know like for me it 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 kind of changed things because I, I feel like, you know, it, it's, um, I guess another good example is like the joggy reveal. To me, it was a reveal, right? Like, like you had the Shin arc. He goes to Shin's palace. He has the arc with Shin. He fights Shin. He defeats Shin. And then you fucking forget about Shin for a while. And they go on and do some other shit. And they have the joggy arc. And then... It's kind of revealed like, oh, hey, bro, by the way, you know why Shin came after your ass and gave you the Big Dipper and took away Julia? It's because I was like Iago with a fellow, like, planning fucking shit in his head, going like, dude, bro, like, you got to take Julia. I heard Julia likes your jock better than Kinshiro's jock. Like, you, you totally got to hit that. And by the way, you got to beat up Kinshiro to do it. And Shin's kind of like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That totally makes sense. He's like, dude, I poisoned your bro dog like your friend bro dog because i'm your bro bro dog or whatever whatever but basically like there was that reveal and it was like in this you're, you're kind of almost told up front that that's what happened so it's like when you experience the shin arc in real time without those flashbacks you're kind of like oh what a scumbag shin is what an asshole and then and you're kind of weirded out because they had this friendship and you're like, it's slowly revealed to you piecemeal, like, oh, we we were friends, and 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 it kind of went all to shit over a woman, and like it was it was this kind of terrible thing, and he's kind of sad when his friend dies, even though his friend essentially became a horrible person in 
post-apocalyptic era or whatever. But then you throw into that, like, the, the, the forward flashback of, oh, I'm Joggy, I corrupted your friend. So that adds, like, another layer to it. And I, I don't know if I'm getting too personal or whatever, but I feel like telling you guys a story anyway. And, like, when I was, I don't know, just getting out of college... During college, I dated a girl for, like, maybe a couple days or something, and then I realized, like, it wasn't working out. Like, I could tell she liked other guys, too, so I kind of let it go and didn't even think about it. And then, you know, I graduated, went on, whatever, but I still knew this girl, right? And I kind of still, you know, had some feelings for her, but I kind of just let that go a long time ago. But then I think post that period like after i graduated college or whatever i started hanging out with her more and i thought maybe something could have happened but it didn't work out and i kind of again let it go flash forward to like i don't know like five years later and i'm hung up on some other girls or whatever and you know typical me and and i was like i think i was one i was super drunk off my ass like tony levels drunk and and I was upset, boxing a punching bag and all kinds of other stuff at my buddy's house. And my buddy, and he never listens to this anyway, so it doesn't matter, but this is the Mud Hut buddy, the Wolverine and the Mud Hut buddy. So he tells me, and I don't know why he told me this now. I don't know if he felt guilty or whatever, or I don't know if I'm conflating events, but my recollection of it is I was in a lot of pain over these other girls that I was having these issues with and everything. And... It's like he felt the need to tell me that he was the one who took that first girl I told you about, virginity. And the reason why I bring up that story is because it, it's, it's kind of like Joggy telling the story about Shin, where it almost has like, in, in a flashback, it almost has like zero impact. Like, because you're so far removed from it. Like, you've moved on to, like, other relationships and other things in your life. Like, it's not anything fresh or recent or new. So it was, like, semi-surreal. Like, I could easily kind of emotionally detach myself and just be like, oh, okay, bro, thanks for telling me that, and not be mad or hurt or anything. It was just almost like, oh, okay, like, I get why you're telling me this because you don't want to me to find out from anybody else but then at the same time you're kind of like this happened so long ago i don't even care about it like it's not important to me and so like i guess what i'm my point is and kind of what i know this is like long-winded way to get to a question but like it feels like when they do these things in real time when you start with shin and julia right up at the front and show you ken's uh, quote unquote in a position of weakness Whereas in the TV series, you rarely see him in a position of weakness, and then you finally get to the flashback, and then you see him in a position of weakness. It's like, it's a different feeling. It's the same thing with Joggy revealing that he sort of corrupted Shin. It's like, if you kind of know that up front, that like Joggy's out to like throw his brother off a fucking cliff and poison his friends against him and all this other stuff, it's like, I don't know, for me, it... It's like, I get it's a compilation movie, and that's probably the only way they could have done something like this. But, like, I feel like it sort of diffuses some of the mystery and reveal and stuff like that. And I know yeah, it's, like, I... a lot to, to unpack, but that's that's kind of what I was curious about with your perspective, Justin. 
I, I totally get what you're saying. I think the movie does a fine job telling a linear story comprised of many moving parts and chapters. I think this is the best way, probably probably the only way they could tell it. Right. But I, right. I totally understand what you're saying because a lot of times you would have to wait for these little scraps of information. Like mm. you, you would be like, well, what does Joggy look like under his mask? And you might see him, you might see him take his mask off and you might see his face in shadow and you can, you can kind of tell it's messed up, like maybe like Vader or something, but you don't get a good look at it. So when you finally get that flashback episode where you see the four brothers all training and stuff at dojo and he's like, Maddox and Cheryl, he's like, I can't let my younger brother like beat me. I won't stand for it. And Ken finally has enough and he, you know, right, lets him have it. And that's what totally messes up his face. And then you finally see his face and he's got like these like pieces of metal, like zigzagging, tic tac toeing through it. And it's got veins and it's bulging. And you're just like, oh my God, like, whoa. And then other stuff, like, I feel like they constantly give you these scraps of information and these flashbacks up until the final very last arc of the series because they're constantly going back. I mean, they even go back to like Kinshiro's birth because there's a lot of yeah. like drama with his, like with his real family. Like, I mean, you eventually meet Kinshiro's really for real's older brother and there's a lot of drama with that. And you eventually meet, Ral's really for real's older brother who was mm. a, like probably like the meanest like SOB in the Vista of the North Star universe in my opinion but yeah like they're they're constantly giving you these little scraps of information and you're just like okay well I see how these points click but how does this click to this other further point well you might have to wait another five or ten episodes for another flashback or another little scrap of information that's like throwaway dialogue and and sometimes sometimes it lines up and then sometimes they retcon stuff and or mm. sometimes they'll forget about stuff because you know like a character that is like totally cut from this movie is toki and he's one of their brothers yeah yeah and, that's that's kind of interesting like there's no there's no time for toki in this yeah, movie yeah and there's one flashback where they kind of forget about his hair like changing color because like toki used to have like brown hair and then he saved everyone like he shut this door when the nuclear blast wave hit and it made him sick and that's what changed his hair to white but it's like they kind of forgot about that and so when toki's a little kid they're like his hair is white and i'm like hey that's you screwed up but anyway they're like they're constantly giving you little scraps of information so like i totally you know i see where you're coming from and i definitely agree with you i, I much prefer the we'll give you some scraps and you know, mm. as we're going on and you can enjoy these scraps and you can wait for more scraps. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's funny. Cause like without, like I, I figured since it was a compilation movie, you know, like a lot of stuff was cut out or rearranged or whatever, but like looking at it from my, like watching it straight without knowing any of this stuff, it, it, it makes like that flashback where it shows where like Joggy's face, like got messed up and stuff. I was kind of like, wow, that escalated fast. Like I was, it's mm. kind of, it seemed like they just had some kind of generic argument, and then Kenshiro like, well, I'm gonna blow up your head then. Like, <laughs> right, like, right. There, like there were many episodes devoted to like who was gonna be the successor, and for a long yeah. time it was gonna be Toki because Tok Toki was like this pure warrior, like. He he wanted to use like his fist for like medical reasons and to yeah I mean he, pure, he's pure the he, yeah he he Toki is more like the the healer type guy yeah. or whatever yeah. in, in the equation with the brothers and everything so like that's 
Yeah, and 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 it, it's kind of like you know how like I mean this is this is a very minor connection, but you, you know how like in the the Street Fighter Two animated movie they would have those kind of flashes to like Ryu Ken, you know, like let's go train or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like they would often do similar kind of flashbacks to that. Like, and, and I see what you're saying too, because you know, the scene where in this film where Rao comes in and basically, you know, executes the old master, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where you're just like, you, you do feel that way where you're like, man, that did escalate pretty quickly. Like, like a lot of that stuff has to happen at like a breakneck speed, because to me, like th- these are the cliff notes of fist of the North star. Like you're not going to pass the exam on the, the 109 episodes of Hokuto no Ken or, you know, Hokuto no Ken two nope. or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, what, know what I uh, connection I didn't also make like right away was that like when they showed like, you know, the first scene where it shows like, you know, Ken getting his scars and what do you call like, you know, shin stealing Julia, like, like I didn't make the connection that the guy in the bandages was jockey. Like I was oh, yeah, I, like, yeah. I thought See, like, I, That's I a thought great, that was a yeah. totally different character, and I was kind of like, wait, like that was that like Starscream esque dude, wasn't it? And then <laughs> I was like, okay, wait. like he doesn't. And then I was like, he. Yeah, I guess I guess there is no visual. I mean, unless you were already really engrossed in the story, that might take you. Yeah, and, and I, I was kind of like, wait, wait, dots, wait, he yeah. becomes like the funny breathing dude. Like, okay, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> mm. I think I know the answer to this question, just knowing you guys. But, like, did you guys watch the dub or did you watch the sub? I, I decided to watch both before we ah, did this okay. just, just for just for fun. Like, because I – and the other thing, too, was I hadn't cracked open – you know what's funny? Like, I bought the DVD of this, and then I, when I was looking online, I was like, oh, shit, they came out with a Blu-ray. But, you know, even the DVD, like, I put it in and I'm watching it on, you know, the nice high-def TV or whatever, and, and it upscales the DVD anyway. Like, man, when when it's not new animation, god damn, do you know it's, like, the old <laughs> clip from, like, the show? Because it's like, it's like you're watching it through someone's TV through, like, a freaking handy cam or something like like it's it's like they don't they don't it doesn't happen very often but man when it does it's like super duper fucking obvious like when they get to something that either wasn't able to be cleaned up or is just straight up like old animation rather than new animation like it's like super duper obvious i watched the streamline dub first and then and then i i went back and watched the the japanese which you know there's, I, I, it's funny for me, like I didn't watch either of those first. So I don't, I don't have a lot of passion about either of those, those versions. Like, I think the one I'd be the most passionate about is the manga entertainment dub. And I think the other two, since, you know, I watched those later, I, I think obviously there's people that really dig the original Japanese and stuff. I think the, the main difference with the original Japanese too, is like that, that I had to get used to was I, I liked all the, um, manga entertainment like music arrangements like that's something that they don't really do anymore but like you know older dubs you know whether it be Funimation or you know uh, uh, Ocean Group or whatever doing like DVZ like you know they would often compose their own you know quote-unquote westernized music for stuff and like I remember getting used to that manga entertainment version of the intro you know it was like dun 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 
you know, and whatever the fucking theme was. But it's like I got used to watching that all the time. And then there was like this cool little mellow beat music, like at the end of the credits and everything, where it was like, and it was just kind of like this nice beat music or whatever. And like the, uh, I think for me, the, um, you know, you watch, you know, like, like that was to me, that was something where that was like watching, you know, the cry for the moon intro of the X-Men where you're like, wow, this is, this is kind of loud and obscene. Like, I don't, that, I don't remember this about my fist of the North star experience. You, you kind of hit on my one big like disappointment in this film is like, there is no, you are shock. Like, cause yeah, that's, yeah. that's such a great, like get you jazzed and excited for a show. Like, I, I think that's one of my favorite, like anime, like theme songs too. Cause it, when I was watching the series, like, I don't think I ever skipped that because I just, I so loved that song and it always got me, like, jazzed up. Like, even if I had seen, like, you know, five episodes that day already, I'm just like, you are shocked! It's such a, like, <laughs> you know, get you excited. It's like, Fist of North Star here and we're going to, like, kill some, you know, stupid guys who are going to, like, try and, like, kill and rape you. It's going to be great. <laughs> like, yeah, let me see that. I mean, they, they, they had the one theme song at the it, it was like the one that they have in the beginning and then they play it up at the end when he's when Rao's beating the shit out of Ray you know and it's like dude why don't you run a little faster bro you know <laughs> but like you know you're my favorite buddy but um you know that that kind of stuff typical tropes it's like he's got to walk all slow and awesome for the theme song and I'm like if you just run a little quicker you might save your body <laughs> that, that made me laugh too it was like <laughs> exactly like i was kind of like man you're you're taking your sweet ass time like i thought you were like in a hurry or something but Mm. so which ending did you guys see like because i i didn't know this until i started doing research like this film has two different endings there is the the original japanese cut features ral defeating ken and then there's an alternate ending for japanese vhs and laser discs which has the fight coming to a draw like they're getting ready to like deliver the final blow to each other like doomsday style and then lynn basically runs up into the middle of them and is like you know stop and then they stop and ral's like you know today's not your day kinshiro and uh lynn hmm. grow up until hurry up and grow up and then he kind of walks away i guess i've i guess i've never seen that version yeah cause, like i i saw the version where where ral you know kicks his ass and then yeah. has the little heart to heart with lynn and is like uh, go grow up and be, you know, sexy Sindel or whatever and, uh, and save the universe. Apparently all the overseas dubs feature the, you know, Ral is victorious version. Mm. Yeah, I saw the one where the little girl, like, stopped the fight. Yeah, then, like, that, that, that that's another thing that just kind of came out of nowhere for me since I didn't see the series where I was like, wait, why does Rao care about this little girl? Like, they've he, had one scene together, like, in this movie. Like, he, You know, that's something that, even in the series, they kind of, like, don't get into until, like, towards, like, the very end because, okay, so if you, if you just watch this film, like, probably, Mike, like, you probably think, you know, Lynn has some kind of great role to play or maybe she has some kind of, like, psychic power, but the only real backstory she has is Lynn has a twin sister. I, I forget her name, but... Her twin sister is the quote-unquote celestial emperor, like whatever that means. I think, I think she's supposed to rule over all of the different houses, you know, the North and the South Star style or whatever. And Lynn was supposed to be like killed, but the guy who was supposed to kill her couldn't bring himself to do it, and so she ends up, you know, 
being adopted and raised and then you know all this other bad stuff happens but she doesn't really have any like great powers or anything beyond that and then it's just when they discover that she's the twin sister it's kind of like they're playing a shell game like all these people are trying to like find her and capture her and stuff but then like the final the very final arc of the series Rel's older brother Kaio he decides that Lin is really great and he kidnaps her with the intention of basically having her like give birth to all his like children and stuff so they can be super strong and you know rule the post-apocalyptic world and all this stuff or of course uh ken and bat have to try and save her but like that yeah they don't really go into it a whole lot and then if you just watch this you probably think she has some kind of great destiny or budding like power but not really yeah, she seemed to have like a like Kenchero call or something <laughs> like where you know like Ken Ken she's, could she's hear like, her like she's like Jimmy Olsen. She has a signal watch in her throat, you know. <laughs> like, Ken! And then he comes running. That's how it works. You know, I I guess I I just want to go over some things that I noted because I think they might be fun to talk about. But speaking of I, I, the anatomy type thing or the the scale type thing, like it's interesting because I kind of feel like the the artist on the manga Tetsuo Hara, like mm-hmm. his his anatomy is fine. Like it's not like Rob Liefeld where like the legs are too long or he can't draw feet or you know the thunder thighs are huge but then they got a tiny little pea head and like you know it's not like that like I, I i think everybody's anatomy is fine but like mike is saying you see those beats where you're like oh look cable is like you know uh, uh six foot dude and then juggernaut's like the size of two fucking houses you know in the background and it's like that's what a lot of these characters are like that that Kenshiro ends up facing, like where you, you see Kenshiro almost looks lithe, even though he's supposed to be this big burly man or whatever, you know, and, and then in the background there are these guys that are like the size of houses or garages or whatever it is. And then like another thing I noticed is, and, and, and this may account for, you know, like Mike said he had some confusion, like he didn't realize it was joggy. Like some things I noticed was, one, I'm like, th- this kind of skips like, Bat and Lin meeting one another, technically. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they just kind of start out as yeah. a pair, right? So they skip through all that. And then, you know, it, it doesn't really make it very clear. Like, like I don't know if Mike even got this or not, but when maybe because he saw the first episode he did, but of the TV show. But after Ken helps them, technically, they lock up bat and ken in a prison Mm -hmm. because they go back to lynn's village and like in in that like the the film it's like you don't really i mean the only indication you have that they're locked up is when ken like blows away the door with his (laughs) fist right like and it's like (laughs) i was wondering about that yeah yeah yeah, you're like why why did he break the door he's like dude because i'm kinshiro i just fucking bust doors wherever i go because i'm badass no they were like literally him and bat were imprisoned because they didn't know, the village didn't know if they could trust them or not, right? And so Ken being, you know, the Superman type guy, he's just kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, just chill here in your prison. Like, I can get out of it anytime I want to, but to earn your trust, I'll, we'll go along with this. Like, it's no no big whoop or whatever. And the, the other thing I want to make a note of in terms of scale is, man, like, when, when they're doing that 
that bike dune buggy chase? Like, what kind of escalator does it have to be for a dune buggy to fit down an escalator? Like, like, I, no, no escalator in human history has been designed to hold a dune buggy in between the escalator, right? So it's like one of those things where you're like sitting there going, oh, there's some really hokey, crazy, like scale like like it's not so much the anatomy stuff with Liefeld but but I feel like Liefeld saw this and just didn't know the difference between anatomy and scale and just took both bad things into his lexicon whereas I think the you know I I think Tetsuo Hara probably did it on purpose you know but he's he's like one of those guys that's like breaking the rules on purpose where you're like you know oh I'm gonna draw outside of the comic panel and you're like, you know, that's a no-no, but it's like, but I'm, you know, I don't know, I'm Neil Adams, and I'm doing it for a reason, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I kind of feel like with with their, their, I think there's a reasoning behind it, like there's a specific purpose of why they do it, but there's still things that you you're you're kind of like sitting there, kind of going, oh, this is crazy, like the way. The, the way like the even even the way the post-apocalyptic world looks sometimes because it's like you get it like okay yeah they're they're walking through an ocean so that's why there's a freaking the fucking spaceship Yamato is in the middle of the goddamn desert or whatever you know just chilling or whatever and and you know you're in the middle of the I don't know the Grand Canyon of the Pacific Ocean or whatever they're walking through but they're like even when those buildings are like toppled upon each other and stuff you're just kind of like how the fuck did a fucking boat get into the twin you know like that's kind of what it is right there's like a boat that's like stuck in like the twin towers or something or whatever it is like there's just this kind of crazy ass imagery where you're like how how does that even happen like i mean i guess you know it'd be like a big huge aquaman tidal wave from nuclear explosions and then the the boat somehow gets up to the top of the level and crashes through it but then it just like stays that way it's just like i don't know some of this stuff is like kind of crazy and kooky at everything where you're like i don't know it's just kind of cracks me up and then i guess the only other thing that i i wanted to mention which probably mike wouldn't know at all but you will know this justin is the it's like the colonel has like a little cameo because he's somehow part of like shin's security force mm-hmm. you know the guy with the red beret or whatever and i was like i thought that was kind of funny because i was like wait i'm like that's like a totally different character it's kind of like yeah. it, it's it how should i put this it's it's like if greedo showed up and was like hey what's up emperor palpentine i'm gonna go take care of luke skywalker for you and he's like yes my apprentice and you're like greedo's not his apprentice like what the <laughs> fuck like what what you know like it's like it's a totally separate fucking character oh is that the guy he's that like, rao just kind of casually kills like when he's like oh we don't have time or no shin kills when he's like we don't have time to look for julia yeah yeah so yeah but it's just like it it was just kind of funny they wanted to use his visual but i mean that if if anybody gets short shrift in in this film version it's the colonel right like because he's just like a a dude and not not very much his own character i feel like some of those size differences are on purpose because at least in the series, I don't know if you saw this episode, but like there's one where Ken fights this guy in an arena and his name is Devil Rebirth. And he's basically the size of like Skyscraper. I don't know if you saw that one. I mean, he's like gigantic. He's way gigantic. I mean, he's way bigger than all these like huge guys that, you know, Ken's taking out. I mean, he's like, right, right. he's that big on purpose. And Ken has to like 
leap way up into the air and like you know kick him in the head and his brain explodes right, or whatever. Right. but i mean i can see why they they went in the direction they did because like all the really engaging parts of this story are in this film you know the 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 love triangle between like shin julia and kinshiro the, the and of course i think like rao's probably one of the coolest characters in anime yeah. so it's like of course they focus on him you know like so it's like there's there and i could see you know it's like i could sort of see why they picked and plucked from from what they did and like i said too i mean i i i i also like joggy like very much so it's like i can understand why he was involved in everything and i can kind of see why they cut some of the characters they did you know like i can kind of see why you know it's not like you're going to devote a bunch of time to the colonel or a bunch of time to toki or yeah even a bunch of time to like the the whole training type stuff it's like you for the purposes of this film like you were saying justin you can kind of understand why you know it's like this, this was probably the best way they could possibly do something like this you know they, yeah they just there's no Mamiya either, and she was pretty important to Ray. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. There's no time at all for that. You know, they, they do a little bit more with his sister, too. But, I mean, basically, once she gets her sight back and she looks at the flower, like, that's it for her in the film. Yeah, that, that's it for her in the film, um, right? Yeah. Something I kind of noticed, like, having watched the series and I see in this film, early episodes of the series, Ken is – really drawn kind of life and he looks he really does look bruce lee and then mm. and then you know he he powers up and his shirt gets all ripped off and you see his muscles and yeah, everything. He, does. he does like the david banner shit you know yeah. like and you're like where does he where does he that was that was the other thing i was always like where does he get a new red shirt from in the fucking apocalypse you know because he's always like ripping it open but eventually they just kind of uh, basically the life bruce lee looking version of ken gets thrown aside and they give you this very muscular version of ken that you kind of see from there on out and you see it in throughout in this film and then another thing i took notice of even when i was watching the series i mean the these fights are sometimes wacky and over the top of course because you know not only do you have people like getting fingers in their stomachs and you know body parts are exploding but it's all pretty much physical and then as the series progresses it gets more into like dbz territory where you have like these battle auras and you know kind of like how you see Rao in this film he just shoots a thing out of his right, palm. right. like that's kind of stuff that was more prevalent like in the middle of the series and then at the end of the series it was all over the place and i always kind of wondered if that was like an influence of like Dragon Ball Z and they wanted to like keep up the pace. But I noticed in this film, like it's there from the beginning. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like you just see like, you know, when Rao goes to the dojo, he just like puts his hand out and just like force, like destroys those statues or whatever. And I was like, Whoa, like in, in the series, he just would have like punched it and it would have like shattered or something. The physical aspect was always, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think I got far enough in the, television series to get to that point but i mean I, I i see the examples you're talking about where they're just kind of using like the, the the aura or the force of the the key to just you know displace people and everything like and it was kind of it's i mean i guess it's not that different from pressure points but the pressure point you actually have to you know that, touch somebody that did seem a little weird for me like they did a death battle with ken Chiro in it a few months ago 
And then when they were listing off his abilities, it was like, you know, he does this and he attacks pressure points and he's super strong. And also he can shoot energy blasts. And I was like, really? Okay. I, who, who did they have him fight? The dude from uh, uh, JoJo, from uh, the oh. main character from JoJo's Adventure or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So who who did they have with? Uh, Kenshiro. I think I would quibble over the whole, like, kick and shoot energy blast. But, I mean, I I don't know. Well, like, uh, they, they literally showed him shooting, like, two, like, Kamehameha's out of his hands, like, a yeah. clip from an anime. So I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, I didn't know that was a thing, you know, that was part of this universe, but okay. But and I was just going to say, like, the, like Derek said earlier, I mean, yes, like, the violence is, like, super over-the-top and super gory, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is about right for, like, this era of anime, I guess. Like, I, and I mean, like, I, I like I love the Giver. Like, the Giver is super gory. Nowhere is near yeah. as gory yeah. as this. And then there, there was, like, Ninja Scroll and, like, all, all the stuff that, like, manga yeah. entertainment was releasing was, like, super gory, like, back in the 90s or whatever. But and the thing that makes me laugh is just like how casual I guess the violence is like <laughs> Kenshiro can like beat up a g- bunch of thugs and it's like, they're a bunch of thugs, but like he punches each one of them like once and they all like, explode. And yeah. I'm like, that's a bit severe. Like, uh, like you know, that's... like he's like swatting these guys like gnats and I'm kind of like, is it necessary that they explode after you like beat them down? Like, okay. yes, yes it is. Uh, I think my favorite, <laughs> I think my favorite like gratuitous thing like that, like played for laughs is like, when Ray is fighting the guy at the beginning and he's like, oh, hey, you forgot something. And he throws his arms back to him. <laughs> I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, that's pretty another awesome. Another thing I like. I kind of figured, I kind of figured like Ray would be like Mike's favorite character in this for some reason, mm. but I don't know if that registered or not. He was like, he was okay. Like I was kind of for, for a like couple, like a minute or two, I was almost like, is that Shin with a new haircut? Because like their faces <laughs> look like the same almost. But you you'd probably have the same problem with like Toki yeah. too. Sometimes. Yeah, like because it's like they they all have that same like you know freaking Van Halen glam rock yeah, guy totally, totally. look or whatever. But, you know? like, and I was like, no, this is clearly a new character. Aesthetic. Like I had to rewind a bit, and I was like, no, Shin, like Shin has blonde hair and it's like straighter, and like I was like, this is a new character. I was like, okay. You know how you can tell the difference, and this is one of my favorite things about Ray is like he makes these wonderful sounds whenever he's cutting people to shreds. He goes, "Show!" <laughs> so, Mike, like, did you did you like this film? I know you had like some quibbles about it like when you were younger but like like right now having watched it like do you did you enjoy it i mean i enjoyed watching it from a like standpoint of it's something i'd never seen before it's something very famous like in anime history and like i'm glad i got to see it like Mm -hmm. i don't know it didn't really compel me to search out more of like fist of the north star or anything like Mm -hmm. and like I, i don't know like maybe if i watched the whole series from the beginning i'd be more like enthralled i think what derek was saying about the story being told in a like I guess a more like digestible fashion, like in you know in the series, or maybe you said that like is is probably true, and like I don't know, like I, I think part of me was kind of like yeah, this is like yeah nineties is shit, like sort of <laughs> like I like I I think I had the same reaction I had when I was like ten or eleven years old, where I was this is kind of like nineties comics or whatever, but it, Mike, it's not nineties, it's nineteen ninety X. 
Yes. <laughs> Let me, I, I was going to ask you, Justin, since you've seen the series, like, how, like, I know, like, I kind of read, like, the Wikipedia article, at least, well, I, or I sped read it, at least, and I was, they were like, you know, the ending is kind of completely different from how this arc ends in the series, but does he ever, like, find Julia? Like, do they ever, like, get together, or, like... Uh, okay, so... Uh, I, I call her Yuria because I guess I'm used to like you know the sub version, but like oh, Yuria, um, Yuria in a series, like what happens to her in the series and in this film is a little bit different. But anyway, in the series, before Ken fights Shin, she throws herself off this off of Shin's skyscraper. So you think, okay, she's dead. Well, somewhere in the middle of the series you learn she didn't die like i don't know there's like these nanto generals and they they saved her or they prevented her from hitting the ground or, or something but anyway it's like she's alive and she's also the she is the super secret last nanto general and she kind of looks like the shredder the way she's dressed and so ken has to kind of like deal with these nanto generals and then also Raul wants Yuria because it, it turns out basically most of the guys that ever met Yuria kind of had a crush on her at some point, and Raul also liked her and wanted her. So like, like that's one of the reasons he's after her. So there's like you got Ken after her, and you've got Raul after her, and you've got all these like generals and guys. Yeah, Toki, Toki had a yeah. crush on her too, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, they don't really ever. Wait, yeah, they do because it. Yeah, yeah they do, yeah, right? Because like, before, before it goes into like, don't they get together and then they they go off and live together? But then doesn't she like eventually like yeah. die of natural causes? Or yeah, something? she gets sick and dies, and then it's like that's what starts like Hakuto no Ken two. Yeah, so they do. They get like a very short amount of time happily ever after. Like probably the amount of time it takes for Lin and Bat to become like you know eighteen, nineteen year olds. But yeah, they do kind of get a little. Uh, yeah, that was that was what because I I know I've never seen you know Hope Go No Ken two so like that was something when I was looking at some stuff I was like oh shit like I'm like Lynn does grow up to be sexy single <laughs> with Wilfred Brimley like I was like holy shit like wow like because I I didn't realize that they I I I had no idea that they got older you know later in the series or whatever so that was something i wasn't exposed to or if i was i forgot about it because i don't i mean did they they didn't do that in those because you, you know what i liked was i liked those remember those compilation films with the like brand new animation from like it was like what like 2007 8 or 9 or so i don't know i forget they came out somewhere around there but like i think that was the first time i was you know introduced to like Souther and, and characters mm. like that. So it's like, it's like, I, I remember really enjoying those too. And like, I kind of wish they would put those on Blu-ray at some point or something like that. But like, I, I thought those were really fun, digestible film versions of this story. It's like, too. I don't know. Like the ending is kind of like confusing where it's like Rao walks off, like Lynn and Bat are just, alone again wandering and they apparently leave ken lying in a pile of his own blood and like <laughs> julia or yuria or whoever she gets like swept away by like the shock wave created when rao and ken are fighting and then it's like you know what happened to julia i don't know like we saw her like fly off into the wind and that was the <laughs> end of it and then like the end credits are like is ken walking through a desert 
And then he has a, he sees a mirage of a forest. And then, then Julie is in the forest. And then it's like, oh, this is just an illusion. And then he just keeps walking. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Like, what happened? Like, how, how, how did no one like find each other in the aftermath of that? Like, yeah, that was not, not very clearly laid out. I mean, you, Oh, I, I, it feels like they were just using the footage they had, you know, like sort of, I don't know. Most troubling, most troubling indeed. Speaking of Shredder, I totally heard Uncle <laughs> Phil like voicing that one guy who turned into steel or whatever. <laughs> he was like, you will never defeat was, me unless was... you have some turtles. Like... <laughs> ah, that was a good, I see that stuff I love because it's like, oh, steel, you'll never break through me. And then you start seeing his flesh like pound through the steel. <laughs> like, that's pretty awesome. Like, that's, that's great. And I love. Yeah. The, the, the thing I wanted to talk about, too, was like, and this is I'm famous for this because, you know, it's like so freezing, so cold. And I'm like, you're decapitated. How can you fucking be talking like that? That's my favorite part about this universe is like the, the best part is when um, Kinshiro sticks the fucking saw in the guy's head and he's like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't mean for you to saw my head. Hey, wait. Oh, you know, it's yeah. like, dude, you got a fucking saw in your brain. You can't be, can't be talking. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, like, so that's what's kind of, that, that, those are the things that are kind of amusing to me about this type of universe and everything. That That's the whole, like, you know, dude, who are you, bro, from that Highlander anime we watched? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's, he, his head's locked off, but he's going to have a five-minute monologue after his fucking head gets cut off and shit. And you're like, come on. This is ridiculous. This is stupid, you know? I, I, you know, that, that kind of stuff cracks me up and everything. I, I mean, you know, this is, this is something that's fun to revisit. And then, and then I guess the other thing I'll lament is because we are doing this, I, I, I have seven of the nine master edition volumes that were translated into English from Gutsoon, um, which is the publishing company that, that produced those. And I was lamenting to Justin because apparently like all the ones I have are between like 50 and $80 a pop. So, like, I don't feel totally bad because I'm like, well, I got seven of them. Like, that's pretty awesome. But I was like, what are the other, you know, what are the ones I'm missing worth? And since those are, like, the last ones and the lowest print run and all that stuff, I was, like, telling Justin, I'm like, there's, like, fucking $130, $200 for these things. I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, that's insane. And then I was looking at, um, you know, the Legend of the King, whatever, you know, the Rao thing I was just joking mm -hmm. about, that, that Blu-ray was, like, uh, if you go to Amazon, like, I think they want, like, 113 bucks for it. And I was like, Jeez. what? Like, that's crazy. It's only, like, 13 like, episodes, uh, you know, too. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and I was just like, holy crap, like, nobody must have bought that shit, because nobody knew who, who Rao was or how cool mm -hmm. he was, but I was just, that's insane. I guess the DVD's a lot cheaper, but I guess the Blu-ray, for some reason, must be out of print and sought after or something. So I was like kind of looking at some of those things, kind of just, you know, either lamenting that I did not have them or kind of going, Oh, I do have those. Like how fortunate, how fortuitous for me, you know, like kind of thing, you know, cause I was like, Jesus Christ, I sure as shit wouldn't pay, uh, you know, 113 bucks for so freezing, so cold. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't know. And then, and then, um, I guess, I don't know, like just delving off the side things that don't have too much to do. Like I never really got into, like the the Revil tech stuff, but I had always eyed those. Yeah. Like you know, like but I never I never pulled the trigger on any of them. You know, but but I was always kind of like, oh, those stuff might be cool. You know, and I think I think I've kind of missed my mark for that because I think they're all kind of, you know, now they're collector yeah. type prices and items and stuff like that. And I don't think that 
the Rao one came with what's his face? What's the horse's name? Storm or something? I'm trying to remember. What's now. that, Derek? Anyway, I was like, "What's the horse's name?" Oh, I can't, I can't remember. horse's what name? Kokuo, which I think means like Black King. I think. Oh, Black King. Okay. Anyway, the the, the real tech of Rao comes with Black King, mm. and I was always like, "Oh, that's super cool." But I think like even when it was like brand new, it was like. 100 200 bucks like straight up so i i'd be scared to look at whatever it costs now but you know again it's kind of like we were having some off-air conversations because i watched the the live action bleach film on netflix and i think kind of like that like like you know just dipping my toe back into this franchise it it, you know it does kind of it's it's like oh if you only had all the time in the world you know if i if i had you know burgess meredith in the apocalypse time (laughs) you know like then i'd go back and watch all this shit so it it definitely you know for me like i know mike said oh i you know i'm not too keen on checking out other stuff right it didn't exactly light a light a fire under my ass to go you know check out other things but it's like this it's funny like i i wouldn't have thought the anime I was watching in my 20s, I'd be nostalgic for in my 40s. But here I am, kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I remember this. Like, that's kind of sweet. Like, I, I should, you know, finish some of those series or, or watch this and that and the other thing, you know. But but I think I think that has kind of, I guess, lit a fire under my ass in some sense to be like, oh, yeah, I kind of kind of want to go back and watch some Bleach again, and I kind of want to go back and watch some Fist of the North Star or some Fist of the Blue Sky or, you know, damn, why can't they, you know, why can't some other company, you know, pick up, um, you know, Master Edition Fist of the North Star stuff and, and release it or whatever? Because, man, that, like, that that's something I could talk for hours about, but you know how I feel about, like, colored English translated manga, right? And it's just like, that's so, I mean, it's fucking beautiful. Like, I mean, it's painted. Like, it's fucking gorgeous. Like, uh, yeah, I just, that I couldn't say enough good things about. Because that, that's just like, that's totally like right up my, uh, you know, fanboy alley where I'm like, I, I need a moment alone with this, guys. Like, you know, like, I gotta log out with this colored manga because it's super awesome. You know, like, that's that's kind of how I feel about that. But yeah, this, this was a lot of fun to revisit and, and I'm glad Justin gave me an excuse to crack open that DVD. I actually like, you know, took off the cellophane and popped it in and everything. So that kudos to Justin for that. I guess the last few things I'll mention is, um, there's a really good, uh, Fist of the North Star game for the Xbox 360. It's called Fist of the North Star Ken's Rage. And it's kind of set up Dynasty Warriors style. Where you're just kind of going through these like post-apocalyptic town and taking out grunts, and you can do all kinds of special moves to make them explode. And it takes you from the very beginning of the series till Ken's final battle with Rao, which, to be honest, like Rao was pretty easy to beat. Like I think I had a harder time with like Souther or someone, but but it's mm. a really fun game. And once you beat the story mode, you can go back and play different modes as Shin and Yagi and even Rao and Mamiya. So it's it's a really good game that you can sink a lot of time into. And then the last thing... Is, that, is there, like, updated versions of that game? Because I saw that there was, like, a, a new Fist oh. of the North Star game for the PS4. Is that is that, like, similar to Ken's Rage, or is that kind of, like, the same engine? Uh, just better graphics? Or? I think it's just a totally new game with all-new graphics. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I don't have a next-gen system, so I'm, I'm not sure what systems it's on. I've seen some gameplay, and it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, there's... Yeah, because I, I, 
I was gonna say there's even like a, a mini game where you're Ken and you wear wear a tux and you're making drinks. And I was like, that's so weird. Oh. <laughs> is that is that supposed to be like a blue sky thing, or is that I, just supposed to be? For I fun? think it's just for fun. Okay. Um, the very last thing I'll say is, if you're curious uh, about what we're discussing, this film is on Crunchyroll, and the entire series is on Crunchyroll, and the Fist of the Blue Sky Regenesis is on Crunchyroll. I've yet to watch it. It's kind of a, you know, there was a previous Fist of the Blue Blue Sky anime. This is like a, like, anime looking CGI series. Oh, yeah, it it didn't like, look that oh. yeah, it, it, it <laughs> didn't look that good, which is kind of why I've not watched it yet. But um, but it's there if you I'm, want. I'm to. like I, I, I have I have I have bad experiences with like Cyborg Zero Zero Nine and all that like faux CG looking anime stuff where you're like, oh man, like. But I I guess I'm I'm curious. Maybe I'll is is a, is that like a movie or a series? It or? is a series. The Regenesis mm-hmm. series. Okay. What what what's like the episode count on on a series like? Um, is it just a couple like twelve or thirteen it, or is it like? A whole it's bunch? ongoing, and I think they're like episode twenty something right now, maybe. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. You know, you know what I I I don't even know what it's called, and I haven't cracked it open yet, but um. I have the Blu-ray. There's some kind of uh, super deformed, oh, like comedy thing. Yeah, that's thing. really great. I love that. Like, okay, okay, because I haven't seen it yet, but but I do have the Blu-ray, so I was like thinking about that. That's too. also on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I think there Crunchyroll. There are okay. two seasons of that, and like after I finished watching the series, like I took a long break from watching any anime, Is... and then I watched that and laughed my ass off. I thought it was really great. Sorry, art. Oh, two questions. Are the new Fist of the North Star movies on Crunchyroll? No. no. And then are the the other movies I was t- – sorry, I know totally confusing because I don't know the Japanese names or whatever. But are those updated – like that updated trilogy where they they have the, you know, Shin, uh, Souther, and, and, um, and Rao movies? Like you, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Like those three movies? Like is that on Crunchyroll? No. no. Man, they, they dude, those are good. Somebody needs to like put them on Blu-ray or put them somewhere because those are good. Like those are really cool. I still laugh at the uh, the Dragon Ball abridged thing where um, Kinchero faces off against Cell. <laughs> like that's pretty. Mm. That's pretty hilarious. Where you know, yeah, yeah, that was Kinchero's like, hey, Bug Man, and <laughs> Cell's like, Homeless Man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess that wraps up this episode of Fan Holes, Big in Japan. And Derek, if you would be so kind as to inform our listeners where they can find us on the interwebs. So if you want to listen to more episodes of Big in Japan, we're over at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can listen to all the backlog episodes of Big in Japan. And along with Big in Japan, we've got all kinds of spin-off shows we've got like our fan holes proper podcast and then we've got mobile suit mondays where we talk about gundam franchise we've got toku thursdays where we talk about japanese tokusatsu like ultraman and kamen rider and things like that kakaida um and then we've got transformers tuesdays where we talk about transformers all the time every time we've got comics motherfucker do you read them where we talk about mostly american comics 
and we have Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, and that is a Thunderbolts Index show. So if you like Big in Japan and you want to listen to more of our shows, uh, please consider checking all those out. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, so we appreciate all the likes and feedback and everything that we get there, the hearts, the retweets, the likes and shares and all that good stuff. And yeah. And this is Justin signing off. Show. This is Derek. Derek WC. Go out there and dig a ditch, cause I'm gonna bury you in it. Hey, it's Mike and.
You know what else I like that probably everybody hates is that uh, goofy-ass live-action Fist of the North Star movie. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. The, the other thing that that led into with me that, that probably isn't worth talking about on the show, but, like, I, I love the shit out of uh, Rikio. Like, the... the It's like I, I got caught up, like, reading... Because it's like the, the live-action film is awesome because it's got all these like practical special effects for like exploding people's heads and stuff like that. And that's like super awesome. But then like the, the, the anime, unfortunately is like an OVA like pales in comparison to the manga. But I started reading the manga and then I just couldn't stop. Like I just, I kept reading it and reading it and reading it. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. I don't know. I was just really into it at the time. But I, I remember at some point, like, I think uh, Star Warrior, Sweetie McSuperbop got all butthurt because I think I had Rico as my avatar. It's like, that's not Kenshiro. You don't deserve to have Kenshiro as your avatar. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. The, 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 I mean, the character design in the anime and the manga does resemble Kenshiro quite a bit, though. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like, imagine like Kenshiro, but he kind of looks like Rambo and like an army smock or something. Like, but yeah, but it's... it's yeah, and then I, I, I don't know. If 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 they make like they decided to make like some kind of updated modern anime of that based on the manga, like that would be cool because that OVA was kind of a like sad attempt, you know? Like it was just kind of like I think it was only like six episodes and it kind of sucked, like because I was like, oh, that's too bad. 